I do a lot of hunting by myself. Have spent my whole life in the mountains so I don't scare easy. However one day I was out hunting spring turkey in Colorado. The day before I got into some birds and thought I maybe could find them at their roost the next night. So I went in there. I planned on sitting until dark. I had my back up to a ponderosa tree just sitting there quietly. All of the sudden I heard the sound of a large branch get crushed right behind me. Sounded like someone swinging and breaking a huge branch again. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Against a tree. Instantly I got that weird feeling where the hair on your neck stands up. Felt that something was behind me watching me. I slowly turned around. And saw nothing. Got that feeling something was right behind me. Hair on neck standing up. My gut told me I needed to get out of there. I was straight up spooked. Not from the sound I heard but the overall feeling that I was feeling. So I left the area earlier than planned with daylight. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Remaining. As I hiked back to the truck, I spotted some bones. I walked over to investigate and I stumbled onto a human skull with a bullet hole in the side of it. I got out of there and called the sheriff when I got home. The following day I had to lead Colorado CBI into the area and show them the skull. They did a all-day search and found almost all of the bones. It turned out to be a missing high school kid who had been missing for 9 years. It was really weird whatever spooked me but I think it was the sprit of the boy. Otherwise had the thing not spooked me so bad I would had I stayed until dark and never found it. Years ago I was elk hunting with my buddy in the jungle here in North Idaho. Once morning we were going after some bugles, I was coming in from the top and he from the bottom. I got into a really thick section and was taking a breather, when I heard the distinct sound of a zipper on a pack that sounded like it was right on the other side of some thicket I was in maybe 20 yards away. I called out his name and heard it again but couldn't see anything. I headed that direction and kept hearing noises but never found him or whatever was making the noise. Turns out he wasn't even close to that section of the spot we were hunting so I have no idea who made that noise. Up on a high ridge elk hunting and heard a man screaming and yelling get back, get back. My hunting partner and I raced toward the noise as quick as we could. Screaming increased in intensity sounding like he was tangled up with something. We are yelling back, but once we get within maybe 300 to 400 yards and the screaming stops abruptly. We grit out the area and could not find anything. Ultimately made the call to hit the in-reach button and contact fish and wildlife. We wait for 6.5 hours for fish and wildlife to arrive and during that time we spot several bears in the area. One black with two cubs and a large grizz. Fish and wildlife searches the area until dark and ultimately can't find anything. We continue to hunt out the trip, and when we get out we call fish and wildlife to follow up. They tell us no one was reported missing that week and no vehicles at any potential trailhead. Still not sure what happened that day, and it eats at me we never got there in time. Those screams were unlike anything I have ever heard. I come from a family of hunters from Oregon. I've been told this story all my life from my uncle. He was 12 and hunting with his dad for small game like birds and rabbits with a pellet rifle. They take two different routes to get to the same spot on the 100 acre property. This was in the late 70s. My uncle hears some shuffling in the woods to the side of him. He freezes in fear because whatever he hears is huge and really making a lot of noise and it's coming up fast. Finally he sees it. About a 9 foot tall grayish completely covered in fur walking upright gorilla like man. 
The creature kept walking the entire time but turned and just looked at my uncle who was completely frozen with fear and unable to move at all. The creature didn't stop at all kept going and disappears further into the forest. When my uncle could finally move he grabbed his dad and they went back to the spot and couldn't find anything. I've been to the same spot several times. This was in the 70s again, so very thick forest in Oregon with no one living around there at the time. Pretty crazy story and I fully believe the guy. I have a pretty good reading for bullshit. Went hunting with my dad and granddaddy around the age of 10 or so. We were out and about and I had to piss, so granddaddy sent me off into the woods. I had just gotten done and was pulling my overalls back on when I look up and see this string of barbed wire between two trees and on it, I see a skull with ragged teeth, still attached to the body. Like, the skull has no fur, but apparently there's enough connecting it to the rest of the body to keep it there. No gore, just bits of hair and fur. I just about flip out and ran back to the truck to get my granddaddy. I told him what happened and showed him the thing and he tells me not to talk about it again. Raised by hunters so I know enough but I've only ever been unsuccessfully deer hunting. My family had a cabin up in the mountain range near San Jose, Mount Hamilton, and we would go up every summer and winter for a few days and it's far out 27 miles on asphalt and 9 miles on a dirt road no electricity and no cell service unless you were on the asphalt road so pretty far out. We had a couple of creepy places around the cabin one was Snake Rock which admittedly wasn't that weird it was just absolutely infested with snakes hundreds of them no other creatures around and you always felt weird around it. Another was the Winovich's shack which was this even farther shack from us that the family had moved out to get away from society and they supposedly died out in the cabin. When I was roughly 16 or 17 old enough to go on the trail alone so long as I had a rifle with me I rode our ATV to the cabin and I always was skeeved out in that place the shack was always louder inside than out like an absolute cacophony of noise but I'll never forget checking it out and finding a shredded carcass of something in on the table, looked like maybe a raccoon or skunk. Gutted. Flies everywhere maybe a few days old and my heart starts pounding in my chest I could hear my blood pressure in my ears sound like rushing water because the cabin may be old but it's got what I would consider animal proof entry ways except for small rodents and maybe larger vermin. But I hopped on the ATV and noped so hard and I got the sensation to stop up ahead like just a second to stop and listen with the ATV off about 100 yards from the cabin and as soon as I stop I realize that it's dead silent no birds no squirrels nothing I could feel my hair stand up and I was like nope f this I'm gone I've never rode that ATV so fast I got back to the cabin and my grandfather asked me if I was okay and I explained what I saw and I've never seen him so concerned. We ended up deciding to cut the trip short and head out and when we came back a few weeks later we both went to the cabin and whatever was on the table was gone it just left a huge pool of blood and fur. When we were teenagers, we went hunting one time. We found an old abandoned radio tower in the middle of the mountains surrounded by grazing land far from any homes or farmsteads. 
There was a overgrown two-track forestry road and a few cows off maybe a one-quarter mile in the distance, no fences or gates. It was getting dark so naturally being asshole kids we decided to break into it. Maybe camp there or something. Mostly just being troublemakers. Inside we were immediately creeped the F out. There were ripped up stuffed animals everywhere, porno mags scattered all over, trash, sex toy packaging, a hammer or axe handle duct taped to a post, used rubber gloves, pieces of rope strewn about. All kinds of nasty shit. We promptly got the F out of there after a few minutes of poking around and when we went back outside it was basically full dark and all those cows that were off in the distance were standing in and around the road staring at us. It was creepy as F. We hiked all night by moonlight and flashlight to get the hell away from that place. Eventually finding a nice spot on some high ground as the sun was coming up. We slept a few hours and decided to cut the trip short and to head back out to the truck, still had to spend another night to get back out cause we were so far in and the terrain was so rugged. We were half expecting the truck to be vandalized or get kidnapped by some crazy deliverance rapist or something. It never stopped me from going back out, but it was a harsh realization that crazy messed up people are the biggest threat in the wilderness. Grew up in rural western Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. I was a hunter my whole life. Lots of strange things in the woods out there. From abandoned sulfur mines to hermit shacks. The strangest thing we ever came across was a little house in the middle of nowhere. No road, no driveway, but it wasn't a shack, it was a house. Like a suburban house. It always freaked us out and we left it alone. Never saw anyone there, and looked abandoned, but not yet run down. So. Fast forward a couple years. We are older and bored. One day we decide we're going in. There is no boogeyman here. But it still freaks me out to this day. We go in through the kitchen and it was normal. In the living room was a beautiful old player piano. Like a big one. Then we realize the room has nothing in it but the piano and boxes. Lots of boxes. In the boxes are the rolls for the player piano. The rolls are the paper inserts that the piano reads to play the song, so the living room is stacked with these things. Like floor to ceiling. So we go upstairs and it's the same thing. Piano rolls everywhere. Stacked on the bed, under it, in the closets, from floor to ceiling in places. I remember starting to get really freaked out. I still do. The vibe was all wrong. There was a point when we went back into the kitchen and my buddy opened some cabinets. All piano rolls. We sprinted away from that place like it was on fire. Always stayed away from that part of the woods. I was hunting on a trail in Colorado. In the backcountry in the dark on time with lightning crashing all around me while I was going back to camp. It was snowing and lightning at the same time. Then I looked over and there were two eyes crouched down in the bushes next to me about 20 feet away. Then they as quick as I saw them they disappeared. I am pretty sure it was a small lion. But either way, it freaked me out because I was already on edge from the snow lightning that was occurring all around me. 
And of course me being me, I don't carry a pistol, so I loaded an arrow in my bow like a little bitch and kept walking down the trail in the dark. I don't get scared in the woods easily, but this had me on edge. I still don't carry a pistol, I don't like the weight. I might get me a derringer one day. Year and years ago I was hunting pheasants with a co-worker who was a slightly odd dude. I felt sorry for him so I invited him out to hunt. He lived with his mom, in his late 20s early 30s type guy. Intelligent by very social awkward. I was 18 years old at the time. Anyway I was walking a huge span of railroad tracks that had an easement through this property of rice fields I had permission to hunt. Four train track wide so it was about 50 yards to the other side of the tracks that the rice field started again. I was walking pushing cover on my side hoping to flush a ring neck or two out. Came upon an underpass drainage ditch from one rice field to the other that had a bum sleeping and he came busting out of his drunken haze. Startled me big time. The bum dashed across the tracks headed to where this co-worker who was paralleling the tracks pushing cover along the way on his side of the tracks. The bum was stumbling all the way cutting across the tracks but in somewhat of a hurry slurring and cursing me for waking him up, he lived under a railroad track which was funny at the time I thought. Me waking him up. How about the trains running over his bed every few hours 24-7. I could see this drunken bum pass next to this co-worker and continue on headed behind him and most likely into another culvert sleeping area for him about a quarter mile back. Well anyway the easement ended in this co-worker and I met up about a mile down from this bum encounter. I kind of chuckled and said hey what did you think of the drunken bum, he scared the crap out of me when he flushed out of that drainage ditch and headed your way this co-worker with the most serious look slash believable tone said to me I was going to kill that bum but I thought you'd tell on me. This co-worker had drove us out to this property I had permission to hunt on and that was the most creepy car ride back to home after hearing him say he wanted to kill that bum. I never worked with that dude again. Gave me the creeps just telling the story which happened close to 30 years ago. About 25 years ago four of us are hunting a friend's place, a few scattered half sections with short drives between. We finished hunting one part of the ranch and head over to a draw that we'd never hunted before, pretty small area. We were told to park at the top, walk it down and if we get something the rancher will come with a four-wheeler. If we don't get something, we agreed on a place to meet next to a creek at the bottom, easy to see from where we were and we'd walk back up together. We park at the top, everybody points where they're going. Off we go. A few minutes later I got the worst creepy feeling, never had it before. I was looking down into the trees where I was supposed to go, not a dark place at all. Middle of the day, sunny, mixed pine and cottonwood, very normal. The creeps kept getting worse and I knew I wasn't going any further. I'd walk back to the truck and wave to my partners when they got to the bottom, easy to see, and I knew I'd get a ration of crap for being scared. I started heading back up and what do I see? The other three coming back up too. We all got together, shuffling our feet and wondering why we all made the same choice, 
and every one of us had the same feeling at the same time, a few hundred yards apart from each other. None of us had ever had that feeling before. We felt fine at the top, glassed a bit, laughed that we wouldn't be shooting anything even if we saw something. Head back to the ranch house, tell my friend what happened and took a verbal lashing slash joking, did we need any men to hunt with us, his mom could join us if we were frightened, maybe his young nephew could hold our hands. He called the next day and told me a grizzly had been seen very near where we were going to hunt, not common grizzly area at all especially back then, but in the range where they live. Who knows? Four years ago I was hunting elk with a friend and staying in a cabin on the mountain. Just a little log cabin, no power or anything like that way back up a creek drainage. We get back to the cabin after dark and cook dinner set up the bags and pads to get some sleep. I step out the front door to pee and I feel that I'm being watched, there's no doubt in my mind. I step back in the cabin and my buddy starts talking crap about me being scared of the dark. We lock the door and call it a night. The next morning we wake up and open the door and on the front steps in the dust and dirt we swept out was two bare human footprints. They were facing the door like someone stepped up on the porch. The next morning after the hunt we came back and looked around the cabin for more tracks. On the window overlooking where we were sleeping was a palm print and what looked like a forehead and nose print on the glass looking into where we were sleeping the night before. Not sure if they were from the night before or from that morning but we got out of there. I don't hunt that place anymore. My buddy and I are 8 miles from the Mexican border at dark 30 with our Bose and Fox Pro FX5 electronic collar. A little outing of predator hunting in the Cleveland Natal Forest in eastern San Diego County. It's a hilly area with lots of chaparral, perfect for close and personal coyote action with a bow. We sneak in 40 minutes before gray light, place the collar 25 yards out and settle in awaiting the first rosy fingers of dawn to pierce the morning sky. Other than a few birds, there is nothing moving. Wearing 3D camo and tucked into the scrub brush, we are seated for about 8 minutes or so when I hear movement directly behind me. At first I freeze, unsure what is approaching. Then I knock an arrow and remove my knife from its sheath. Not sure exactly what to expect. The sound of heavy weight moving through the chaparral is unnerving. Whatever is coming up behind me is big. I lock eyes with my buddy, they are wide open in fear and now I'm filled with dread. When you see sheer terror on your hunting buddy's face, you know you're in deep shit. The sound is moving laterally behind, not more than 15 to 20 feet. My mind is racing. I'm thinking about jumping up so if it's a mount lion I am not such a small target but realize if it was a something like that, my pal would already be up on his feet and you don't hear lions coming in. He's not moving. I follow his lead. He can see what it is, I cannot, not until the sound turns again and move past me at 20 yards. At first all I saw was the gun, an AK-47 slung over the shoulder of the dirtiest man I have ever seen. Then I saw his buddy, equally filthy and toting the same firearm. In tow were 34 others, all Latino, most likely Mexican. 
We sit perfectly still and watch as a total of 36 aliens pass by without a word. The train was completely male and no backpacks, which I thought was strange. Not at all like the videos you often see posted online with a mixed bag of men and women of all ages moving past a surveillance camera hidden along the trail. It isn't until they had passed a quarter mile away that my buddy and I broke silence. He calls the border patrol and gives M the GPS numbers, head count and weapons description. We beat it out of there ASAP. Later my buddy is told we were extremely lucky. Just ahead of the group that passed us was another of equal size carrying backpacks of dope. The second group was the relief column. We had slid in right between the two. When we retrieved the game caller, there were shoe prints five feet away from it. Now we never hunt that area with sticks and strings. I carry an R25 semi-auto in .308 with 10 road magazines. There's an armed invasion taking place on the border and people who do not live near the southern border cannot imagine just how real the threat is. I didn't fully appreciate it until this encounter. Though this all happened years ago. I can see it like it was yesterday. The most dangerous animal in the field is only two legs. My dad and I used to hunt blacktail in the Shasta Trinity National Forest area back in the early 90s. Due to my school and his job we were mostly weekend warriors. We lived down near the Bay Area and due to me playing football on Friday nights, we wouldn't hit the road and head up north until after the game was over and I got back home. This often put our arrival very late at night and sometimes not until the early hours of the following day. Arriving early one Saturday somewhere around 2 or 3 a.m., we were cruising along a long and desolate stretch of nowhere heading in. While we flipped through the radio stations the only one coming through was playing some weird type of old and scratchy sounding song of children singing, but in a weird way like similar to Disney World's Small World. We hadn't been anywhere near any other vehicles, much less any buildings or signs of civilization on the dirt road we were on. As we were driving along we saw a man walking down the shoulder of the road on the right-hand side, walking towards us. As we came upon him and passed him we both got a good look at him and will never forget it. He was clearly of Native American descent, identifiable by his skin color and facial structure. He had long black hair and was wearing blue jeans and a brown leather coat, and dark sunglasses. Dark, dark sunglasses. It was pitch black in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere. Here's this guy walking along in sunglasses. He's just walking with his hands in his coat pockets on the side of the road. We kept thinking we would be coming along a stranded vehicle, or maybe a house or something nearby. But nothing. The road we were on only went deeper into the mountains. I never forgot it and neither did my dad and every once in a while we'll reminisce about the time we saw the creepy Indian man on the side of the road. We laugh about how the weird music on the radio, although purely coincidental, only added to the creepiness. Who knows what that guy was up to? There may be a bona fide explanation, and this obviously isn't as odd as some of the other stories on here, but it was definitely one of those things that makes your skin crawl and stays with you.
I grew up going to hunting camp for deer and turkey in the northern tier of Pennsylvania. My father and his hunting partners were involved with a family-owned camp that was slash as pretty nice as camps go. Many of the family members lived out of state quite a distance and one uncle, who lived about 20 minutes from me but 4 hours drive from camp, was the caretaker. He hunted a little bit but he enjoyed camp and family time immensely. He spent many weekends up there all year round. Tending the gardens and maintaining camp was his hobby. During hunting seasons he would be the cook and do whatever gardening task was appropriate for that time of year. He was often jokingly referred to as the gardener and everyone appreciated the fruit trees, flower beds, rose bushes and plantings that gave camp a comfortable touch of class. I was away at college late one summer when he headed to camp for a weekend. There was some turbulent weather coming in but he figured he could make the drive before the storms got bad as he knew the trip well. It turned out to be one of the rare afternoons that a tornado makes an appearance in the mountains of PA. He saw the funnel touch down and move at an angle to the road he was traveling. Hoping to outrun it he put the pedal down and tried to get to cover behind a ridge. If he could make it then he could get to camp about 15 miles further and batten down the hatches. Well, he didn't make it to cover. Realizing it was futile he pulled his truck off the side of the road into the shallow ditch line. Jumping from the truck he ran about 30 yards and laid down in the ditch to hide and pray. The storm thundered around him and the funnel passed by across the field at the base of the ridge. He lay there until he thought it was safe and then some. Seeing the destruction on the hillsides around him was impressive and he gave, thanks to be safe and still have a truck to leave in. With mixed emotions and trepidation he continued on to camp afraid of the destruction he may find. He again had reason to be thankful at the sight of minimal damage. He thoroughly checked over camp and sat down to recover in a quiet moment. It was obvious that a great wind had blown through with broken branches and foreign debris scattered about. After getting some dinner and calming down he decided chores could wait until the next morning. But he wanted to walk around the yard area and see what might need prioritized on the chore list. He picked up litter as he went, the winds having carried stuff in from miles away. Retrieving a piece of paper from the base of a rose bush and a flower bed out front he smoothed it out and looked at it. Printed on that page was a poem entitled The Gardener. Things that make you go hmm. When I was young my dad and I hunted whitetails in northern Minnesota. It was remote, and dense, with cold cold weather, and frequently enough snow that made trudging through the woods a real chore. Well before first light we'd walk from a small cabin his buddy owned on five acres to my tree stand, a precarious climb up an oak tree to a big limb I could sit or stand on. My dad would walk further on to his stand which was on state land. Mid-morning, in reverse, I'd be half frozen trying to get out of that tree and would welcome a hot stew at lunch before doing it again in the afternoon. That was our thing, day in and day out until we tagged out. One morning I was standing in that tree, trying to hide from the wind, praying a big buck would be standing in range the second it got light, when I heard the unmistakable sound of a bolt action. Dad? I whispered. I almost chalked it up to the wind when I heard, get down. It was not my dad's voice. 
I was so taken back I barely choked out, why? I heard nothing for as long and as hard as I listened and when it finally got light all I seen were tracks, the opposite side of where I knew my dad had walked away earlier. When my dad finally came back and I got down I remember asking him, in one of our first man-to-man -man conversations, because now I was as angry as I had been terrified, did you try to play a joke on me this morning? When he said no I explained what happened and we followed the foot tracks to a truck track on a logging road. Never got to the bottom of that and never seen another soul the years we hunted there, but I'll never forget it. I've hunted and backpacked in those woods. Not specifically at that camp but within 50 miles or so. We were on a youth backpacking trip with about 20 kids and 6 adult advisors in July of 1998. A group of about 5 of us were sleeping off on our own about 30 yards from the rest of the group. We were goofing off before falling asleep and my best friend at the time, said shut up guys I hear something. We started whispering but didn't hear anything. We quieted down and eventually fell asleep. I don't know how long I was asleep for, but something started whooping and hollering, literally the exact noise from that video in the movie. I laid there frozen for a moment and then reached over to my buddy and shook him. He was already awake too. That's what I heard earlier, only it's way closer now. Our group all started whispering to each other. One of the adult leaders tells us to stop yelling and waking everyone up. We tell him it's not us. We thought it was one of the younger adult leaders trying to scare us. We eventually fell back asleep and didn't really think much of it. Never heard it again and I've been back there many times since. I've seen other videos where there is audio with similar sounds. Not sure how many of them are authentic but if they aren't, they sure do a good job of replicating the sounds. About two years ago I was heading to the Blue Ridge Parkway to hunt on a local trail. It was late winter, and I should have checked, but the parkway was closed. So anyway, right before the turnoff for the parkway was a pull-off, and I noticed an unmarked trailhead there. So I parked, loaded up my pack, and started up this trail, unknowing where it'd take me. There was snow on the trail, maybe 8 inches. I was really enjoying this hike until I reached the crest. At the top of the mountain the old forest I was walking through turned into a pine forest. But not a natural one. It looked like the area was logged out at one time, and pine was planted in rows. Immediately entering this pine forest my sixth sense was telling me something was wrong. The area the pine forest was in was a bowl that was maybe 20 feet lower than the surrounding area around it. For the most part the area around the bowl was flat, and the area in the pine forest was flat, and with the trees being planted in a row visibility was pretty good. Halfway through the pines, I couldn't ignore what I was feeling so I turned around, with the idea I was gonna exit the bowl, walk the edge of the bowl until I intersect with the trail again. And plus I figured I'd have better visibility being above the bowl looking down into the pines in case I was in a situation I had to perfect myself. So as I'm circling this bowl, I spot a guy, who looked homeless, very methodically moving through the pine in the direction I'd just left. He's not on the trail, just walking the woods. 
stopping every 10 feet or so, every time breaking behind a tree. Seemed odd to me, but didn't alarm me none at the time, so I reconnected back with the trail, and kept on. About a mile later, I start getting that uneasy feeling again. The area I was in at that moment was rocky with cliff edges on both sides. I took the path of several large rocks, maybe 10 in a row, to get me off trail, not leaving any footprints. Sure enough, about 15 minutes later, that same dude, very methodically emerges from behind a large rock. I was close enough to tell now that he was moving slow because he was tracking my footprints in the snow. There were other tracks from other hikers in the snow, and I assume he figured he was still on my trail, so he kept on down the trail. I followed his tracks all the way back. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. To that pine forest, where I put it all together. I think he was living in that pine forest, and seen me walk in, and decided to follow me for whatever reason. I could see where he followed my tracks when I was exiting the pine forest, then followed my tracks all around the bowl, and all the way to that cliffed out area that I took shelter behind that rock when I seen him pass earlier, and was following the trail about 30 feet within the wood line. Creeped me the hell out. I've never been back. Looking back I wish I'd have confronted the guy. I was carrying a 9mm, but I really didn't want to put myself in a situation to use it if I didn't have to. Who knows how that situation would have turned out. I've learned to trust that sixth sense feeling a 100%. I was on a hunting trip when I was younger and while hiking up along the river, I found a Polaroid picture of a bloody arm and dead person in someone's living room. There was another picture that was almost all black, except for a tiny, orange circle. I was pulled out of school the next day by troopers and they had a full team sweeping that area along the river along with dogs. All they could tell me was certain religions take photos of a person's cremation which was the small orange circle photo. They couldn't explain to me why or how the other picture was relevant. I never did return to fish in that area. My brother and I were standing on the bed of my flatbed truck waiting to shoot a bear that had been causing trouble in one of my bee yards. I was a commercial beekeeper. This was near Winthrop, Wisconsin back in the late 70s. It was dark but light enough to see okay because of the stars, no moon. 
I've been watching the stars appear over the hill behind the bee yard and one star kept drawing me back to it, something was different slash weird about it. This went on for maybe an hour, neither of us saying a word. The star was moving right with the other stars in the area as they got higher in the night sky. It just kept looking stranger and stranger, might have been the color or something, hard to say. I was just going to ask my brother if he was seeing what I was seeing when that star just zipped in a straight line back below the ridgeline it had come up from. Shook me up and I asked if my brother had seen it. He said he was just going to ask me if I was watching that weird star. Never did see the bear, and he never came back to tear up any more beehives either which was really strange. I had this happen about 5 years ago and I'm still not sure what it was. I was hunting a lease in southwest Georgia and was doing some scouting in February. I always carry my Glock everywhere, and most times in the south, I always had a machete with me. I worked down into a bottom I had been in probably 10 times and crossed it. Walked around a while and came back into the same bottom. Working back towards the four-wheeler in that bottom. The hair on the back of my neck stood up, and something just wasn't right. I felt weird, but pulled out my pistol and walked out. Never did figure out what it was, but something easy right. Not a big story, but very rarely if ever have I felt that way out of the clear blue on a nice sunny afternoon. When I was 16 I built fence by myself all summer along the Red River on the Oklahoma side. Only person around for miles. Growing up people liked to tell stories of Bigfoot and bears being up there so obviously had that in the back of my mind. It was about one quarter mile of thick brush and I had to drag all the supplies through to the river. One day dragging T-posts out I heard something come crashing through the thick brush towards me. I stopped cold as the crashing came closer and closer right for me. It stopped about 30 yards from me and I could finally see it was a Bigfoot. Landowner didn't tell me there was a wild Bigfoot just roaming around out there. Those Bigfoot jokes didn't seem very funny for the few seconds I could hear some giant animal coming at me through the brush. When I was younger I worked as a cowboy in Oklahoma and a few western states. One time I was looking for a few stray cattle on some Indian land that the ranch owner had leased for grazing. I rode up a canyon and noticed that my horse was starting to get antsy. I was riding a bombproof cow horse and I had never seen her act this way. She got more and more nervous as we went up the canyon. I started seeing animal bones that were placed in the fork of several trees. I couldn't hear the normal bird-slash-insect noises and saw a few bones hanging from tree limbs. That was enough for me, I could barely control my horse and the second I turned her, she flat out ran out of that canyon like a banshee was on her tail. I told the foreman the next day about that and he asked what canyon it was. After I told him he looked at me and said that an Indian burial ground can be a strange place for a white man. I had no idea there was an old burial ground farther up that canyon but stayed clear of it for the rest of the time I was working on that outfit. I have got the feeling a few times in the backcountry that I was being watched but could never put my finger on it. 
But nothing like that time on Indian land when even my horse's behavior completely changed. So, co-workers and I are going on a long hike through the Huachucas, starting in Car Canyon, up to Car Peak, across the ridge, top out on Miller Peak and then drop down to Coronado Pass and finish at the border plinths. That's a long way. We get up Car Canyon no problem, hit the peak and then start making our way for Miller Peak. The ridge that runs between Car and Miller has a nice aspen grove and box spring in it. At some point in the distant past, a prospector, there are a ton of old hand-hewn shafts in the Arizona mountains, had dragged a cast iron bathtub up there to collect water from the spring. We plan to grab lunch at bathtub spring and then head out for Miller Peak. Now we are probably at 8-9k in elevation, in a wilderness area and the only way in is to hike up from the trailheads at 4-5k. We get to the bathtub and we find two goth kids, in street clothes and shoes, splitting a subway foot long. They have nothing with them, not even a small backpack or water bottle. We tried to make some conversation with Wednesday and Pugsley Adams, but they weren't too talkative. Another time we were in the Huachucas and came across some backpackers coming from the south. Those boys had some very full and very squared off packs. We just pulled off to the side, didn't make eye contact, exchanged a polite good morning, buenos dias and we all just let each other go on their way. I was quail hunting in the whetstones and was heading around the back of a hill when I spotted a border patrol truck. I didn't see anyone in the driver's seat, which is kind of unusual because those guys usually have the attitude of death before dismount. I walk over and can hear the engine idling but I'm still not seeing anyone sitting in the seat. I get up and look in the window and the agent has the seat reclined all the way back, is completely racked out and using a copy of jugs to shield his face from the sun. About six years ago I bought a house in Arkansas for a duck hunting camp, it came from an estate after the previous owner passed away. The house needed work, pulling carpet, paint, etc. At the time, I only had one kid, my son, he was probably one and a half or so, not talking yet. My wife, my son, and my Jack Russell drive out there to do some work before duck season. My wife and I are pulling carpet in the living room and my son is in the bedroom in a pack and play asleep. This is the same room the previous owner used as the master. All of the sudden, my son starts screaming bloody murder, we run in to see what's going on and he's staring at the corner of the room and won't calm down. We finally get him calm in the living room, when all of the sudden my Jack Russell is in the same room barking his head off and growling, staring directly at that corner of the room. There is nothing there, not even furniture. My wife is freaking out, I'm putting on a strong front, but I'm a little unnerved too. I tell her everything is fine, we sleep in the other room, and that's that. Flash forward to duck season. I use the other bedroom, not because of ghosts but due to layout of the room, and the other room where the incident occurred is the bunk room with two bunk beds for friends that come to hunt with me. One night, we're sitting on the porch around the fire hanging out, and my longtime friend, out of the blue, says, 
I got a weird feeling in that room last night, like someone was watching me from the corner. I had never told him the story of my dog and kid, my wife had not told him. Made the hairs on my neck stand up. Flash forward again to January 2018, I'm on the way to the house and I have two friends there. I'm 20 minutes away after driving 10 hours and I get a call. The house is engulfed in flames. My buddies, sleeping in that same room, woke up without reason to the house on fire. The insurance company and power company do independent investigations and deem it was due to faulty wiring by the previous owner, I purchased from their estate. I was maybe 10 or so fishing with my brother Aid and dad, mom collecting rocks on the side of the Clark Fork River we get to a beautiful run a couple miles upstream of our RV parked at a raft pullout. A guy comes down yelling at us from a property that was gated and posted but along the river wasn't, he had a pistol which wasn't all that unusual. He tells up we're on private property and need to leave but he said we need to come up and walk through his property because he doesn't want to be liable if we fall on the rocks or whatever. We get up and it's a legit compound with maybe 20 RV hookup small amphitheater and strange religious looking things all over. My mom brother and I not thinking anything of it were playing with the goats and animals, they asked if anyone knew we were there and mom said no we just saw the fish sign on the highway and pulled over. My dad overheard and said he had his license checked at the ramp by a warden while we were upstream. They insisted we stayed for lunch boiled hot dogs and lemonade. Dad said no thanks we have lunch at the truck, but they were persistent. We had no idea what was going on and of course said dad we're hungry and ate and drank. My father said we need to get going we're expected to arrive at friend's house for dinner soon and of course. My mom was saying what are you talking about no one is expecting us till tomorrow and my dad said no I called ahead last gas station and said we were on the way, be there soon. They said you can get your RV and stay here for the evening, do you boys want to fish? My dad said no we're expected for dinner we need to leave, dragging us kicking and screaming because we didn't realize at all what was going on and wanted to fish. We were about a half mile from the gate almost at the RV and my dad said boys I need you to throw up, before I knew it he was sticking his finger down my throat making me puke. We actually did get checked by a warden a few days later and my father asked him about them and the warden said he was investigating a flipped raft or something and walked up past the gate or was approaching it and him and his wife came down armed and were hostile and told us not to go near there. Dad has a pistol in the truck but never grabbed it because we never expected to go that far upstream. He told me years later he's never felt so helpless in his life not being armed. My aunt and uncle were pretty rich. My uncle's family owned Kearns, and he designed airplanes for Boeing as a career. My aunt won the lottery. So between the two of them, they were loaded. They bought a large plot of land in Southern California that I would describe as 30% desert, 60% forest, 10% mountains. It was ridiculously hot and dry, but not so hot and dry that plants and trees couldn't grow. My cousin and I never had a shortage of places to explore. When we were kids, they were the only house for miles in any direction, 
so we had plenty to of woods to explore, small mountains to climb, and wildlife to experience. Because of the climate, we really only ever saw lizards, rattlesnakes, tarantulas, and coyotes. Can't say I ever saw a deer in those woods. That's why it seemed like such a desert. This story took place in 2003. Anyway, when I was 13 and my cousin was 14, we decided to see what was beyond a large hill we hadn't yet gone over. So we set off and at the other side of the hill, we found a dirt path that looked like it had been carved through the brush by animals using it as a natural path, but we also saw deep but thin grooves in the dirt that showed the telling signs of a tire. A single tire. We deduced that it was probably a wheelbarrow, but there were no human footprints near it that indicated anyone was pushing it. So what the hell was? Being young and dumb, we followed the tire track and it led us down into what I could only describe as a natural cul-de-sac of rocky cliffs. The only way out was the way we came in, or we had to climb the 60-foot cliffs on all sides of us. Trees grew here, and the ground was muddier, giving us a clearer look at the tire tracks. Still no other human footprints but our own. There were animal prints. Little imprints of claw marks that showed lizards had clearly been here. Coyote paws checkered the mud, and even the broken lines of snake tracks that alternates between thin and wide. The usual fauna we saw had all seen this place. We found the wheelbarrow just at the base of the cliff furthest from where we had come in. But that isn't all we found. We found clothes all over the place. Some clean, some filthy. Some for older people, some for children. Still no human footprints. We also found toys. Nothing mainstream. These were handmade. Carved from wood or chipped from stone. They were pretty detailed figurines. Still, no human tracks. We found shoes, but no shoe prints. No bare feet. We also found a hole in the cliff. It was a near perfect circle that went about 30 feet into the cliff. We always brought flashlights on these trips, so my cousin shined his flashlight into the hole. The rock all around us that made up the cliff was red and orange, but the bottom of the hole was covered with a gray dust, and the back of the hole ended against a wall of rock of the same gray color. It was the same color as the figurines we had found, and I went and grabbed one to try and compare. Just curious to see if it was carved from the same stone because whoever would drill 30 feet into a red cliff to get to some boring gray rock in the middle just to carve little toys out of it. Well, they were odd, but dedicated. Then we finally took notice of the size of the hole we were staring into. It was small. Really small. At the age of 13, I was only 5 feet 4 and really thin, and there was no way I would ever be able to squeeze into that hole. We contemplated what the hole was for, since clearly nobody strong enough to carve into the wall could fit in there. As we tossed ideas around for a couple minutes, we stopped at the very clear sound of a whimper, followed by the clear clatter of rock on rock, like throwing a small stone at a boulder. From inside the hole, my cousin shined his light back in as fast as he could. Nothing. Still an empty, dusty hole in a cliff, except for one rock about 15 feet and that we both were pretty sure was not there before. 
So something had thrown a rock out way from inside the empty hole? I still had one of the figurines in my hand. So I threw it hard toward the back of the hole, and the very instant it met the back wall, we saw an arm and hand shoot out from around a corner we didn't know was there and snatch the figurine and pull it into the unknown. The arm was humanish. Now, we only saw the arm for a split second, as it grabbed the figurine and withdrew in an instant, but we both noticed a few details that we confirmed to each other. It looked like a small child's arm, but it was multicolored. It was a pale blue along the underside of the forearm and bicep, but the same reddish color of the rock around it everywhere else. Any hands were bigger than should have been on an arm of that size. But the most noticeable was an unnatural bend in the arm that made it look like it had a second elbow. The arm seemed to unfold to snatch the figurine like a scorpion tail stretching to strike. We got the hell out of there, fast. We went back and told my uncle about it, and he decided to come back with us to check it out. The way we described it, he was worried it might be a runaway child or a human trafficking pit stop. When we got there with him, all the clothes we had found were gone. The wheelbarrow was gone. Still no footprints except for ours. The only thing that remained were the figurines of stone and wood. We showed my uncle the hole. He shined a light into it and saw nothing. Although he was curious as to what the hole's purpose was. It wasn't natural, obviously. We grabbed one of the figurines and threw it to the back of the hole again. Nothing. No arm to grab it this time. My uncle didn't believe us about what we had seen, but after looking around the area, he found some things we hadn't. There were rock carvings in the cliffs. Illegible letters and drawings. The trees had scars that looked like stab marks. Some of the bark on other trees was shredded or beaten to splinters. He called the cops, and we made a final trip back to show them the spot. This time my cousin brought some of his own stuff. A remote control car with a video camera taped to the top. We got back to the place with a couple of officers and they looked around. They too were most curious about the hole. We made another attempt at throwing a figurine into it, but again, nothing happened. As the cops were talking to my uncle, we all heard that same whimper my cousin and I had heard when we were alone. My uncle, the cops, and my cousins and I all heard it coming from the hole. The cops shined their light into it and saw nothing. We threw another figurine. Nothing. So my cousin pulled out his little remote control car with the camera taped to it and put it in the hole and drove it to the end, turned it to look in all directions, and then drove back. We all looked at the footage. In the back of the hole where we had seen the arm shoot out to grab the figurine. There were dozens of similar figurines, all standing and arranged in neat lines and formations. All looking in the same direction. But the hole ended there. There was nothing beyond that. Another dead end, or so it seemed. The whimper had no source. We all got out of there, and the cops said they would look into it. The following morning, my cousin and I woke up to find one of the figurines sitting on the dresser of my cousin's room. He gave it to me. I still have it. It still freaks me out.
When I was a kid I was out deer hunting and walking to my tree stand in the dark and seen a mountain lion walking by my tree stand with my flashlight. These animals do not live in the area I was hunting and me being 13 years old I thought it was an actual lion. Like it must have escaped from the zoo or something. I was so scared I ran back to my dad's truck turning around every 10 paces or so thinking it was chasing me. When my dad finally got back to the truck the first thing he said was you're never going to believe what I seen this morning. Um was it a lion cause that's what I saw. This happened to my buddy. He was hunting cows deer in Arizona near the Mexican border. He was in a tree stand over a trail. He said some border patrol looking guys came walking by carrying machine guns. He almost shouted out to them but then kept quiet. He said they went down the trail and in a short time returned but now with a line of others walking with drugs strapped to their backs. The line walked right under his stand. He feared for his life. But no one looked up and saw him. He said it was a very spooky encounter. I saw someone that I assume was poaching on my family's land. We spotted each other when I was on my way back with a few squirrels. I was out of shells, so I went to make a beeline another direction. I saw him following the ridge to intercept me. I stopped in a thick of brush and went still. He must have seen me go in because he stopped just outside of it. He got really still and didn't say anything. So as soon as he moved I said they won't find your body out here. For weeks. And I heard him running like mad out of there. I waited for a while until I couldn't hear him anymore and slinked back home. I was an hour from anything because I was just taking it leisurely. I was working on a pot farm in the Trinity Pines which is like the size of a subdivision and the properties are divided up like that too so there's one thousands of one to two acre pot farms right next to each other. The pines are notorious for people disappearing, large grow operations and crime in general. A friend and I were headed into town to get pizza and supplies for the roughly 20 people we were working on the hill with. It's about a 30 to 45 minutes trip down dirt roads through the holler to a highway that leads into town but it's only about 12-15 miles away. It was early evening slash late afternoon. About 20 minutes into our trip, right before we're off the mountain, this girl comes running out of the trees flagging us down. We stop and let her into car thinking she's another trimmer who just wants a ride into town. I immediately notice she looks frantic so I ask her if she is alright and she responds in French and very broken English. From what I could gather, she had escaped from a trim job. They had her shackled or handcuffed to a workspace and she ran for it when they let her off to piss. Apparently she ran straight down the mountain and straight into us. She said the people who took her captive were Nazis and they had guns. We ended up dropping her off at the police station in town. On October 21, 2015, my father fell out of a tree stand. He was not properly harnessed and fell as soon as he started to get down. He hit against several thick branches, 
and broke two parts of his spine and an arm, collarbone, and nose. If his face had been facing slightly to the left, his nose bone would have been projected into his brain and he would be dead. It is a miracle that he survived, but he was far from help and was alone, broken and bloody for hours. He manages to somehow drag himself far enough to the edge of the woods to call for help. He had to get two titanium rods put in his back, and undergo several surgeries to ensure that he would be able to continue walking. It took over a year and a half for him to achieve any semblance of recovery. On October 21, 2017, he was in a tree stand again. This time, a defect in the stand caused it to collapse in him, in his infinite wisdom, was again unharnessed. He was once again falling from a tree. He was lucky, as the rods in his back prevented his spine from breaking again and he was closer to the ground than last time. However he did still break one of his knees and shatter half of his hip. This time he was able to call for help on a phone he had with him. He has been an addict all of his life, and is now but a shell of his former self. An opiate abuser, there is truly no chance for him to recover. While he can walk, his posture is permanently hunched. He looks a hunchback. He moves like an 80-year-old man. He is 44. His pain is permanent and so that he cannot even function without the pills he abuses. These accidents have completely destroyed any semblance he could have of a normal life. I myself have never been interested in hunting, but I can say with confidence that he will never step foot in a tree, or perhaps a forest for that matter, ever again. My father saw his death, and narrowly evaded it twice. Hunting is not a safe sport. It can be dangerous, and in not too extreme cases, fatal. Be careful. When I was 15 my friends took me to this place in my hometown. It was about a 30 to 40 minute hike on a very poorly marked path through the woods and you could come out at the top of this giant hill overlooking a few towns. It was a pretty cool spot and after going two times with my friends, both times at night, I felt like I can totally navigate this the next weekend I brought my girlfriend just me and her. I got us up on the rock and we hung out for a while and decided to go back down and call my family for a ride, I'm 15 still. So we start walking down through the woods and we get lost. Really lost. I had never really paid attention to going down as much as I had going up. So we're pretty much wandering through the woods at this point with a cell phone flashlight and aiming in a general direction. Then out of nowhere about 100 yards away from us a flashlight just turns on. We both froze. It didn't move. I knew that there was a guy employed by the county who lived and worked in those woods. I had met him a handful of times and he was a nice guy. I assumed it was him and he could direct us so I called out hey. Loud. No movement on the flashlight. I called out louder hey flashlight turn on us. Then it turned off. Then we heard a rustling like leaves heading in our direction. My girlfriend whispered run in my ear and we both booked it as fast as we could. After maybe 10 minutes or so I recognized the beginning of the paths and got us back to the road where we called my parents and got home. Was a very weird experience and I still get a bit freaked out in the woods if I can't see like a road or house or anything.
Bow hunting Colorado probably six seasons ago. I ran into two hunters pretty far back in. Probably six-ish miles. They were coming out of what I thought looked like an insane basin with some good meadows. We had scouted this area a little the year before, and a lot of dense timber. Some good elk sign on the way in and a lot of fresh tracks headed that way. As I was planning my route in, two hunters came walking up the trail and said, definitely don't want to go down in there. There's some weird stuff going on just trust us, I said, huh? They did an elaborate but rather said, trust us, we heard some bugles earlier this morning at, about a mile away. I waited for them to leave as I knew there was going to be some elk down in there. I make my descent into the basin only to hear some weird noises. I wanted them to be bugles so I kept moving in. I get to a little overlook where I can glass into a good meadow. Pull out my binos and see seven dudes all running around butt-ass naked playing some sort of tag game. I promptly left the basin and headed straight to where the hunters had heard bugles, blew a cow call, had a 5x5 five five come walking into 20 yards, double lunged him, and had the bull in a tree by sundown. Had a family friend come in on horses and asked, how'd you find this spot? Didn't know what to say. Not a hunter, but in high school we moved into the middle of nowhere. Our house was surrounded by hills and woods. I loved going on walks with my dog. There was one incident that freaked me out really bad. It was just me and my dog, we're a good hour away from the house or anyone else. My dog usually led the way, always knew the best paths. Out of nowhere she turns to the right and goes completely tense. Her back fur ruffled and she started growling. A minute later I could hear them. A whole pack of coyotes. I couldn't see them but it sounded like they were very close. Next thing I know my girl takes off through the woods. I yelled at her to come back but the next thing I know she's gone and I hear this awful dog fight and then silence. I didn't know what to do and right when I started to panic my girl comes tail wagging, not a scratch on her. She loved on me and then led me home. Best dog I've ever had. She passed away this year. Don't think I'll be able to walk the woods without her. In the early 90s I was driving late at night between Tucson and the New Mexico border on I-10. It's a spooky stretch to begin with and I normally avoided it at night, but for whatever reason there I was. The wind was howling something fierce and I passed a guy walking down the shoulder dressed all in black. Boots, huge cowboy style hat, and a calf length trench coat that was swirling around him in the wind. He had long black hair flying around and was tall, definitely walking with a purpose down the road. It is a very dangerous piece of road for different reasons, but that dude creeped me out. It was so random and his look was so odd it really spoke to me. Nothing happened, but the memory has stuck with me. Not backcountry, but that road runs through some of the most desolate terrain I've experienced. <laughs>